This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, it's a pretty nice day on Saturday. The sun was out and we had two pretty good teams on Chara Stadium MK. And uh, yeah, it was the most entertaining game in terms of chances, but it was certainly very competitive. And yeah, we're going to talk about that game. And of course, looking ahead to Cambridge on Saturday, we're sold out away end for the Dons fans travelling down to Cambridge. But uh, first of all, to introduce everyone on the call, Ross, how are you doing? I'm actually doing really well for um, a Monday. It feels it feels a bit weird because normally we split up uh, split up the week, so we normally record on Wednesdays. But yeah, on Monday, um, obviously um, got the golf players championship final round in the background. Got Cheltenham all this week, and then obviously the football, and then the F1 on Sunday. So, for an ideal week for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, mate. Yeah, how did you enjoy Drive to Survive? I'm sure you've watched all of it by now. Um, yeah, Christian Horner. It's probably not my favourite bloke on the earth. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the less we say about him, the better. <laughs> hey, he's Milton Keynes, mate. Got to, got to support him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been a... Yeah, it's definitely a week full of sport. I'm looking forward to the F1 myself. I can't wait, to be, to be honest. I've been watching all testing last week. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Ferrari get on. Um, but we'll talk about F1 here. I'm at MK Dons. Uh, unfortunately, Joe couldn't join us this evening. A last minute arrangement popped up and he couldn't make it. But, you know, he's all good. And I'm sure he's looking forward to Saturday as much as we are. Yeah, we're going on Saturday. It was, uh, of course, the game got a lot of anticipation on it. Of course, you know, many people had their eyes on the top two. Of course, we were so close. And if you, you know, if you win that game, you go to the top two, you know, have a chance of, well, a pretty good chance of you know, maintaining that position and see what happens with the game's hand regarding Wigan. Um, and yeah, I thought we came out a bit. I don't know. I don't think we ever really got settled in the game, and that's done to a number of factors. Um, 
I mean, without going too much, referee was one of those uh, influences, in my opinion. Um, also, I think set of plays a bit sloppy, and I don't like criticizing some some lads, but it, for me, they came out a bit slow. And I think Wigan did a very good job in terms of neutralizing the game, and you know, they clearly came out of a game plan in in both our opinions in terms of how they want to set up for this game and did it really well. Um, of course, we both teams had the chance in the first half. You know, Mo Mo goes through and. I think for me, hesitated a little bit with his shot. And of course, then that allowed the defender to get back and def- um, block his shot and the chance was nullified. And of course, Lang always had a chance at the end of the first half, which a better control. You know, I'd like to think Jamie Kevin saves it, but, you know, could easily make it 1-0 and make our task pretty difficult going into halftime. But halftime was 0-0. Um, overall, a solid half. Please said to my, my, my family at the time, you know, we're not behind, so that's a good thing going into halftime. Uh, second half... I was pretty disappointed to be honest. How he came out, I thought we were a bit sloppy, and of course that sloppiness results in their goal. You know, Lewington basically pumps it at Coventry's like hip, I think it was. Deflects off him. I think he fouls the player. Um, gets booked. Um, sorry, McKechnie fouls the player. Gets booked for it. And the free kick comes in. Comes out to I think it was Tom Pierce. The luckiest deflection you'll see, but you, know, you create your own luck in those type of situations. Falls straight to Naylor. He puts it in the bottom corner. Pass coming. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the replays. It wasn't offside. He was miles on, if anything. And we won no down. Um, in my opinion, it was probably deserved. Um, we had chances, but I don't think we played particularly well. And um, yeah, we had, a, we had a little mountain to climb. But you know, after that, I thought we were a bit more lively. People like Corbenu came on and you know, changed the game for me a bit. Created some chances. And of course, you know, the ever-reliant uh, Scott Twine has a corner in the 88th minute, uh, plays it into Harry Darling, who probably doesn't know too much about the goal, but I think it comes off his like back or neck or something like that um, in the 88th minute and gets us that 1-1 one, 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 one draw at a really, really important point. And yeah, you know, you could argue that we could have scored again. Um, you know, a few deflections and Haram had that chance before Harry Darling's goal, which, you know, if he had a bit more hops on him, he could have got over the defender there and headed it in. Um, but, you know, it's all hindsight at the moment. I think um, if you had a if I hadn't known that I would have seen that performance on Saturday and, you know, offered a point, basically I would have taken that point. Um, I didn't think we were particularly impressive, which is a shame because we played so well recently and I think some of the lads have really, really stepped up and it's just a, it's a bit of a shame for me. Um, but Ross, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on Saturday as a whole. Um, I, I completely agree with you in terms of um, a point is probably a fair assessment of the game. Um, but I felt it was a game where both teams didn't want to lose. And um, Wigan, I think the point um, they would have been, or they are, more than happy to take. But um, going into that game, you said, Liam, about obviously um, the form we've been in. I think it comes to a place in time when some teams, they do go below par every now and then. And um, I think that this was a case on Saturday. Um, yeah, if you look at the stats in the first half, Neither team had a shot on target. And um, in a way, I, I think that's down to nervous. Um, both teams being slightly nervous um, on the ball. You, you talked about the errors, um, sloppy passes, etc. cetera. Um, but overall, I think Wigan done a, done a job, a thorough job on us really um, throughout the whole game until about the 88th minute. Um, it was a stop and start. They disrupted our, our flow to our game, what we normally have. Um, we didn't we didn't really have the possession or um, intensity in the middle of the pitch like we usually usually do through Connor Coventry, um, and then um, obviously 
obviously towards the back end of the first half, you mentioned about that error. I felt Louis was too flat-footed, got caught. Um, and yeah, that was a warning sign for me. Um, and then obviously going into the second half, I felt we were going to improve. Um, obviously, being the side, I thought Manning would, would want a reaction. And he, in a way, he did get a reaction. I think a few, few, more, few of the players were a lot more alert with the ball. But um, with that Wigan goal, well, I think we saw it um, Rotherham um, when we played them at home, um, where we lost three or four nil, um, and everyone was ball watching, um, playing to the linesman uh, flag, and that's one of my pet uh, worst pet peeves in football is ball watching. Um, you play to the referee's whistle, and yes, I know obviously everyone's putting their hands up, but even if one of them tracks Harvey or one of them tracks him and uh, kicks out for a corner. You don't know. You just just more for safety. Um, we go one nil down and yeah, uh, Wigan are are in dreamland practically because they they only really wanted the point. Um, and then yeah, you you mentioned about the subs. I felt Kasumi had a real good impact. Um, I felt obviously I don't feel like it was a McEachern sort of game. Um, I felt we needed. We've mentioned it in previous episodes about this energy in the middle of the park. And I, I just, I don't feel like Josh McEachran brings brings that to us. I feel like McEachran calms us down. Um, his range or ability of passing um, throughout the 90 um, is top level in, against certain sides, for example, Burton. Um, but in this sort of game, you wanted legs in the middle of the park. And um, I think that that you could see the change in the second half. Um, and then obviously, Darling grabbing that late goal. And I think after six... 60, 70 minutes, I probably would have took a point knowing the performance we uh, done on the day. But uh, yeah, we can look at, it and look at it back now and say, oh, it's probably two points drops depending on whether um, Wigan or Rotherham take advantage of their games in hand. But overall, I probably would have took the point. Yeah, I think it was the first time in you know, probably say two and a bit months where, you know, I think everyone was a bit, maybe besides some supporters, it's a bit unified in terms of how disappointedly we have left their own performance for even Manning, you know, you know, he's this classic saying is not too hard when you're winning, not too low when you're losing. I think even he's a bit disappointed with the lads and you can tell Harry Darling's interview that you know, he was a bit disappointed with himself and the team. And I'm hoping this would be, you know, a motivation thing for them to not go out, to, you know, go out, go out like that again and put out type of performance. Um, but as you said, Rosh, you know, we got something from the game. Uh, something's better than nothing in many ways and uh, we can move forward from this I thought without being too negative um, yes I thought Kaz should have started um, yeah I think his energy was a, would have been a match in that performance and you've got, you've got a player like Max Power really like basically man marking twine the whole game I think you need someone to counteract that and of course Dave, Dave is the perfect counteract to any type of uh, man marking job because he can be that sort of catalyst in the middle who can you know as we've seen create chances create opportunities for other players and uh yeah, release players like Twine, Troy, even like Stan Harvey at times to create chances. Um, speaking of which, I thought both wingbacks in Kane Kess and Dan Harvey had pretty good games overall. I think Kane, especially the first half, was one of the few players who were really trying to create something overall. And you know, I mean, annoyingly, he had I think Coventry here was on the wave of the same wavelength sometimes as him and the game. And yeah, you know, him and Troy were trying to in sort of switch roles from time to time when the came from the forward Troy was trying to take up his role and 
well, for whatever reason, didn't really fall. But I thought overall, uh, Kane Kessler had a pretty good game. Um, in, in the second half, Dan Howe took over from that. I thought since he came back in, it's pretty important game to come back into, especially against Gavin Massey, who I know on the PW podcast, who did the opposition overview from the previous episode, he got their man of the match. And um, he could put some tasty challenges in, that's for sure. But yeah, he, him versus Harvey was a decent little battle. And I thought Dan got the better of him. And uh, yeah, the second half, he really showed um, what he could do. Twine got a bit more involved in the game and, of course, got the assist for Darling's equaliser. But yeah, Ross, what did you think to the, uh, the two wing-backs performances in uh, Kane Kessler and uh, Dan Harvey? Kessler had moments where um, he looked promising and then it just kind of lacked in the final third. Um, but I think Dan Harvey, he really impressed me on Saturday, considering, as you said, Liam, the... Um, the, the whole game and the, the pressure um, he had under his neck, obviously with Tanai being out um, of his squad. Um, he he impressed me, to be fair. he You, you look at the stats, um, he won eight out of nine ground jewels and that's what you ask for your defenders, uh, to man-mark their, their man. And um, he was coming against the top talent in obviously Massey in League One. And um, I think it was, it was a very solid performance. Um, and I think... The reason why, obviously, going forward, um, we lacked a bit. I think it it was because of tonight. Um, I feel tonight, um, he's maybe got that turn of foot um, in the final third, um, where he's a bit more agile um, than Dan Harvey, or he, or should I say, um, he likes to beat his man a bit more. Um, but Harvey, with that delivery, he likes to cross the ball, and nine times out of ten, his his crossing is bang on. So. Um, Depends what type of game, obviously, you use. But wing-backs, I do feel like they had two solid games. Um, but I think it was more in the middle of the pitch, which where we lost, really. Yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, introduced Kaz into that game a bit earlier. Who knows? I, I certainly wouldn't wait until the 66 minutes to bring on Kaz, that's for sure. Um, you know, Edith doesn't start. I still would have brought him on you know, fairly early and, uh, you know, tried to change the game because I think it was clear that we were not getting the upper hand in that one. And... I think the goal was inevitable, really, despite how it came and you know, to playing to the whistle arguments. But I think a man who did play well in the middle of the park, albeit the back three, I thought Harry Darling fully deserved to have a match performance uh, against Wigan, with Don Spector anyway. Of course, he got the goal, but his performance was so much more than that. And even the aerial duels against going up against guys like Humphreys and Will Keane, who's, you know, to be fair, from what I remember, Will Keane didn't have been that tall, but... Yeah, he he's he had a good game against him. You know, I think overall positioning very, very good. And you, you could say that it was almost a captain's performance really on the pitch in terms of how he led the team. And of course, even when he scores the goal, he run back to the centre circle, getting the ball. Um, I think he's in his full right to do that. You know, I felt at that point of the game we were on top and we could have got a winner. Of course we didn't, but you know, the intent was there. And Ross, I felt that you know, Harry Darling is he's a very good to pass, you know three or four weeks, really. But I think this performance has been one of his finest. I think it just shows the maturity he carries um, at such a young age also. He's learning, obviously, from the experienced um, players in Louis. Um, and I think, obviously, with Louis going off, um, I think he was deserving to get the armband, really. Um, I think his performances, probably for the past year, year and a half, maybe, um, have been outstanding. And he's probably one player I'd look in the, in the, in that squad and say uh, it's very rare he has an off game. I know, obviously, I believe it was Boxing Day 
that first half. Um, he had the, he has a lapse of concentration, and then second half he was back to normal. But um, this season, yeah, Darling's really stood out for me, and um, especially on Saturday when you need you need your centre halves. Um, with Wigan being such a physical side, um, he really done a job on Wigan. Yeah, most certainly, and a very physical team. Also in Wigan, you know, looking at the average ages of the two teams that started, you know, Don's is sitting at an average age of 24 and a half years, with Wigan's is 27.6. So literally an average age of each player of three years is really, really significant in terms of, especially in the lower leagues. And, you know, Wigan's experience, I think, served them well for, you know, 85 minutes of the game. But when you got players like Scott Twan on the pitch, you know, who's, you know, far beyond this level of football, they're going to create chances. And I feel two best players on the pitch for Don's me besides Dan Harvey on the day you know created that goal and got us that valuable point which yeah, who knows where it gets us towards the end of the season could secure us third could get a second could even get us first who knows at this point um, but yeah it was a I think it's a weird weird feeling because as I said before you know we haven't really seen us play too poorly recently in the past couple of months in terms of you know, not getting the three points but I think to get a point against second who you know clearly are I think in some people's books, in prime position to go on and win the league. Um, you know, I think it's a very good point. And um, definitely take it forward, heading into Cambridge on Saturday. And uh, yeah, of course, Harry Darling's returned to Cambridge um, since he signed for the Dons. So it's going to be an interesting day for him. Uh, but hopefully he can uh, put that aside and put in a brilliant performance. I'm sure he will. But um, yeah, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get into Cambridge away. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first search fan hub app to play your part in the journey welcome back to today's opposition overview of course cambridge united at the weekend sold out away into the dons uh, so it's a big game for us especially after saturday's uh, draw against wigan and we're delighted to welcome on tom walker from under the abbey stand podcast to chat everything about cambridge so tom how you doing yeah, all good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you're a bit more upbeat after the weekend's result against Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, obviously, it's it seems to be a bit of a contrast in form from your guys' away to home form. But, you know, wait, from where you are on the table, how how has your sort of recent, recent results and season gone at the moment? Yeah, I think um, Saturday was uh, a strange one, just in that Sheffield Wednesday are probably one of the clubs at this level that have resources that are basically on a, separate, you know, on a separate scale to where we currently operate. Um, we had a lot of individually not very good performances. Um, we've struggled against teams that play three at the back all season and they were on form and that, you know, those two things combined, I guess those sorts of scorelines can happen, but I think from our perspective, it's very much one just to kind of move on from try and try and put in the past and, and, and just kind of, kind of improve on it really. Um, but yeah, I think the season as a whole has been really good. Um Obviously, coming up from League Two last season was a little bit unexpected. In um, many ways, it was a bit of a shock that we were sort of involved in the promotion race at the end of last season. Obviously, managed to get over the line. And I think if you ask any Cambridge fans at the start of the season, realistically, the expectation would be that we probably spend most of, if not all, of the season either in the bottom four or sort of just above it. And to be sat talking to you now, sort of twelve points clear. I mean, bar anything really major. Um, any sort of drastic turnaround in form from at least three of those bottom four teams, if we assume that crew are gone, um, we'll, you know, we should be fine. And um, that in itself makes it a good season. But 
the fact that it looks like on paper it could be quite comfortable and we can enjoy you know the last few weeks of the season sort of nerve free. Obviously had a good cup run going up to Newcastle and winning. I think all round it's been a you know, been a pretty enjoyable season and one that um, yeah I think we will look back on pretty fondly. Yeah, and of course, the build on that first season back in League One, of course, you know, it was recently announced that the Abbey Stadium has been brought back since the first time to 2004. Um, I'm if I'm wrong, I believe this is your first home game on Saturday since that's happened. I'm sure it'll be a positive atmosphere, you know, based off that news. Yeah, it's massive for the club and, and sort of everyone involved, really. I mean, I, I won't go into all the details of, of obviously the ground being, uh, being taken away from us, but, um, you know, it's in a period of time where the club was a very, very different football club, a very, very different entity than what it is now. Um, I guess it kind of all kind of spiraled from the ITV digital stuff back in, back in the early 2000s club lost a lot of money, had to make a lot of cuts and sort of spiraled down to the point where realistically the, unfortunately the stadium was the only asset we had that was worth any money. And, you know, the decision was keep the ground or go, and, and, and the football club goes into liquidation or sell it and sell it. We did. And to be honest, the, there were a lot of difficult years um, kind of following that, um, you know, getting relegated into the conference, you know, a level which we believe is beneath us in, in, in terms of where we should be. League One might, might, might be a touch above where we should be, but certainly the conference is not, is not the level that we'd want, want to be playing at at all, let alone for the sort of 10 years that we spent there or nine seasons that we spent there. Um, so yeah, to get back up, to get into League One, to be looking like we're stabilising ourselves is, is, is great. And obviously the only football on the pitch has been pretty enjoyable to watch, but, getting the ground back and being able to have, you know, our home as, as, as our own is something that's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's massive for everyone involved. It just gives us that, I guess, security um, more than, more than anything. Um, it gives us a chance to look to the future a little bit as well about, you know, can we, can we develop the ground? I think it's probably been one thing that's been holding us back in many ways in terms of what our ambitions can be sort of longer term, you know, the, the actual capacity of the ground kind of reduces year on year for various different sort of safety concerns and standards and stuff like that. So I, I guess the next step is to see where we can develop it. And if we can do that and maybe add in some different sort of facilities and maybe that increases what we can expect maybe moving forward. So it's massive news for everybody involved. Um, it kind of completes what has been a pretty um, turbulent sort of roller coaster of a journey over the last 20 years or so. And um, yeah, hopefully now we can sort of look onto the future and uh, better things to come. Yeah, and speaking of stabilising yourselves, you know, away away from home, you haven't been the best, but you know, in the league at home, you haven't lost at home since the 18th of December, I believe, against Rotherham, because only four defeats at home this year. So, you know, you've made the alley a bit of a fortress in many ways, and that's kind of, I think, got you most of your position where you are, you're 12 points clear, and I don't want to say, I hate saying this, but nothing to play for, really. Yeah, it's been um, it's been what we based our season around. I think you know our ability to at least pick up points against teams at the Abbey, um, and fortunately, it's been a case where for a lot of games, if we if we haven't won it, we've made sure that we haven't lost it. And you know, the teams that have come to the Abbey have won. I think there was you know a couple of examples earlier in the season of maybe poorer teams, but since probably September time, I think it's literally only been uh, Sunderland and uh, Rotherham who have come and who have come and beaten us at home. So it it has become a tough place to come. Um, I think the reason for that, you might notice on Saturdays, the pitch is very narrow. Um, that was a deliberate decision, I believe it was made in the summer, um, basically to try and you know negate teams that can come here and play more expansively with, should we say, more expensively assembled squads than our own, just to try and give us a little bit of a, a little bit of um, 
an advantage when it comes to just being able to kind of block teams out. So that's been something that has been kind of a foundation of how we've played this season, how we've approached games. On the other hand, it probably shows why maybe when we've gone away, particularly to some of the bigger grounds, like your own, for example, uh, and, and obviously Hillsborough on Saturday, which was, uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a schooling, um, why we've, why we've struggled a little bit, but yeah, I think um, for for any team that's looking to survive in a division, you have to build your form around your uh, you know around the games that you have at home. That's what we've done, and it's you know carried us well pretty well so far. Yeah, and who are some of those players that you think have really suited the sort of narrower play style at Cambridge at home games that you'd like to point out for us? I think um, I, I I think in terms of like the ones to watch, I mean the obvious one would be Wes Hulahan. Um, you know, obviously with the with the pitch being quite narrow, a lot of things do go through the middle um, as they as they obviously have to. Um, he's the one with the quality at his feet that can really open up teams and sort of unlock defenses. And you know, if we're going to kind of get anything out of the game, I would expect him to be involved in it. Um, obviously, Joe Ironside, striker, top well top scorer in the league this season. Um, he'll be, I guess, looking to give Harry Darling a difficult afternoon on his on his return. Um, and it'll be good. You know, he's just kind of come back from injury, and he's a he's a player that we've relied on quite a lot over the last couple of years for goals and the sort of structure of the team. So he'll be one to look out for as well. But yeah, I'd say um, I would say in terms of the uh, the one who could be the match winner for us, it'd probably be Wes. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a very intriguing game. Obviously, uh, us as as the Dons, we like to play with a lot of width, especially our wing backs. You know, I'm assuming it'll be um, if he's Fitz and I Watson and probably Dan Harvey at wing back, who, you know, both very attacking wing backs and they want to be, you know, right to get out to get out full back. So yeah, it's an interesting game. How how do you see it playing out from a Cambridge perspective? It's gonna be a tough afternoon, I think. Um realistically we need we need a reaction um from Saturday. Traditionally under Mark Bonner we've been pretty good um at doing that. Um in fact it was only very recently that we lost consecutive games. Um, for the first time under Mark Bonner, um, normally sort of a win followed a loss, such as such as his ability to get a reaction out of his team. Um, that's not to say that I expect us to go out and win the game or, or, or even really to get anything from it. You know, I think what we've got in front of us is a very difficult challenge. It's an, an opponent that we've traditionally struggled against when we've come up against you guys. I think it was obviously 4-1 and 6-0 in the games we played at Stadium MK. And then obviously you think you beat us at the Abbey and the last time that he came here as well. So um, I'm expecting a really tough afternoon, to be honest. Um, I think if you were to offer me a point now, I'd probably, I'd probably snap your hand off for it. But um, yeah, I'd like to think that we can at least um, show a bit more than we did on Saturday. because we didn't really do ourselves as a, as a football team where we are at the moment any justice then. And I'd like to think that if you're going to win the game on Saturday, which I guess, you know, yourself and probably your fans will be expected to do, um, we're at least, least going to make you work for it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for your, your preview, Tom. And make sure you guys check out Under the Abbey Stand podcast. I've myself gone on there to talk everything about a bit more at Don's and you know, our thoughts on the game ahead of Cambridge. So please join check out Tom and the guys over on there. But Tom, thank you very much for taking the time to go onto the podcast. No problem. Cheers, Samuel Liam. Thank you once again to Tom from the Under the Abbey Stand podcast to well, give, us, give us his thoughts on Cambridge. Ross, after hearing Tom's thoughts, what, what are your thoughts heading into Saturday? Um, to not obviously be complacent going into the game. Um, I think obviously he mentioned about having a reaction from obviously uh, the the defeat from um, Sheffield Wednesday. And um, I've, I do feel 
this is a, a, a game where we, we've got to be picking up three points even, even if we want playoffs. Um, I feel it's a game which Cambridge will be happy to sit, sit, sit in, their, in their shape, um, exactly like Burton and Accrington did. Um, and I feel like um, the, first go- the first goal will be very key. I feel like we'll need to start with pace and intensity uh, right from the get-go. And um, he mentioned about, obviously, it being a narrow pitch. So um, it, players like Mo um, will have to take advantage of their chances. Um, but I feel like this is a, a game where if they are going to sit in that box, um, where players like Twine will come in to show because of they're sitting in that box, so they're going to make fouls on the edge of boxes and stuff like that. So free kicks, set pieces, something we've really improved this season under, um, we'll have to take advantage of. But, um, yeah, Cambridge, I've, we watched them against Pompey. Uh, they're well drilled. Um, they've got a few good players, uh, Hulan and Brohe. Um, two good players who, at League One level, can damage any team. Um, so uh, it's it's certainly a side um, we've got to be wary of and um, a game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, a very interesting game. Um the narrow pitch is obviously the most interesting point that I think Tom gave us in terms of how they're going to set up and how they play typically at home and perhaps why they've got such a good home record. Obviously, when it comes to lineups, I've had a, had a thought that obviously we've seen, we've seen Kane Kessler operate as left wing back, you know, kind of operating in that like Matty Sarinoda role that we've seen previously when Matty was part of the club and playing. So wondering whether hopefully tonight's back and then we could go Watson and Kane Kessler as a wing backs as opposed to Harvey. But hey, we'll see. We've also got lineups coming up. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Obviously, Cambridge is a very good home team, as, as Tom pointed out. And it's going to be another tough away game, I think. Obviously, we are sold out away end, which is fantastic to see and great to see you know, the away support re-ramping up towards the end of the season. Got some bigger ways coming up, of course, Oxford, AFC. Um, of course, Plymouth, final day of the season. And yeah, it's great to see everyone back in the boys away from away from home. And uh, yeah, it hopefully be a much much needed three points to, you know, securing playoffs or aiming higher than that. Ross, should we get second to our lineups? Yeah, can do. Um, so I've got I'm I'm a bit stuck on the wing back situation. I've I've gone the same team obviously Saturday, so I'll just run through it. Um, so I've gone with Cumin, Ohora, Darling, Louie. Um, I've gone Tanai, um, not Tanai, sorry, um, Harvey. And Kesler Hayden. Um, then I've gone with Coventry, Josh McEachran, Twine, Parrot, and Mo. The reason why I said about these wing backs are Harvey had a very good game on Saturday, and I feel it's it would be harsh to drop him. But at the same time, I do feel like tonight brings something different to the side. And if he's fit, um, we saw especially at Co- um, Charlton away the link up he has with other players. Um, and when he gets into that final third, he's got that um, calmness about him to uh, either assist or slot one home. So um, he's certainly a player um, who I'd want to start, um, but it's just a question of whether he will start. Um, I feel like, obviously, Kane Kessler-Hayden, again, hasn't hasn't put a foot wrong, but I think I'm going to stick with Kane Kessler-Hayden and Harvey. Um, only because of Watson, we don't know what the extent of the injury is. 
Um, I, he wasn't in the squad on Saturday, so it, it it must be quite serious. But let's hope it's only minor and um, he's back in the squad for Saturday, whether it's starting or on the bench. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I. It's funny you mentioned about Dan Harvey because just for just a bit before we we turned on the recording again, I I had Dan Harvey in my team, but I've been thinking about the comments from Tom a bit and. Well, I, well, I do think it is harsh up Dan Harvey and I think he had a fantastic game against Wigan, one of the standouts, as you mentioned earlier in the episode. I, I do think it will be Kane Kester left wing back if Watson's fit. I just feel with, with the narrow pitch, we need that type of player who can just create something out of nothing. And if we have that in Twine, of course, um, on the same side as him, but I just think having the option of a right-footed player left wing back makes a lot of sense to me. And I feel with, as you mentioned, the box from Cambridge is going to be quite a low block. We're going to need someone who can create something out of nothing. And I think Kane Kester can do that more than Dan Harvey can. So I think I'm going to go with that. So informal lineup is uh, coming. Usual back three of Waza, H, and Louis. Um, midfield two of McEachran, who I think this game suits more than it is Saturday, to be honest, in terms of picking out threads and passing the ball. Uh, Coventry, as always. Um, Mr. Steady there, number 14. Uh, tonight. And Kane Kessler, of course, at wing-backs, uh, hoping Watson's fit. And he had the usual front three of Twine, Troy and Mo, who I'm sure, especially Troy and Mo, will be looking to get back into the score sheet this weekend after, um, you know, an, an unusually, not not poor performance, but a difficult performance for him. So, yeah, it's uh, very interesting to see people's lineups and good team on social media. But, yeah, those are our two. Ross, in terms of score, obviously Cambridge are a very good home team, as I mentioned so many times already. Only lost four at home this season. Do you think it'll be a, a convincing win for the Dons on Saturday? Yeah, we, we literally just spoke about it in terms of um like an away performance where like we yeah, we've had some really top victories, obviously, Charlton, uh, Rotherham. But we haven't had one where we've completely battered the home team. And I'm not saying this is a game because of Cambridge again. Are a, are a solid side in League One, but um, in the next few weeks, we, we I, I do feel like it's it's gonna have to come if we want to put a statement out there. Um, but Saturday, um, if we get the early goal, I, I do feel like it'll be convincing, and um, Cambridge will have to open up shop, and um, they'll have to come out and play. Um, but I get a feeling that they that. They're, they're going to want a reaction and uh, I think a point they'll take any points especially the form we were in but I'm going to go with a 2-0 two, two victory um, but I think I, I, I do feel like it's going to be still close Yeah it, it's funny it's funny you say that I've gone 2-0 also um, you know it may have played into our conversation from earlier but yeah I think you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the stats I've seen from this season and the run at the moment have very much echoed that promotion season of fourteen, fifteen, and you know, that season towards the end we had a maybe battered one team really, and I think there's a chance it's probably one of these two teams are playing up, up next in terms of either Cambridge or Crew at home next week, and I don't think it'll be Cambridge because well they're just a better team basically overall, and whilst they don't have anything to play for, they're still a very good team, and Bonner will. You know, set them up to, you know, be resolute. You know, and of course, everyone knows that likes George Williams' voice. He's a he's a solid player. He's he's not, I think, very much like his Cambridge team. Not, not aspiring to be the best player in terms of the league, but he's very solid at this level. 
Um, and yeah, it's going to be, a, I think it'll be a, a tough game, but I think ultimately we'll break through eventually. And um, yeah, I think, uh, was it 1.4, 1.5K? Don's fans will go home with happy with three points and uh, hopefully some teams ahead of us slip up and uh, yeah, we get ever closer to where we want to be. But yeah, overall, I think it'll be a, a pretty decent game and um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good day. Thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the Emicon Podcast. A bit weird recording on a Monday, as Ross mentioned. Um, got equipment later in the week, which fortunately we can't rearrange. Um, but uh, yeah, if you see us Saturday, be sure to say hello. Uh, I imagine we've had a few drinks by then, but you know, we're always, always good to see everyone. And uh, yeah, until Saturday, come on you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.